Well, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Valley Creek Church. Let's bring in all of our campuses. Let's welcome Flower Mound. Let's welcome the venue. And let's welcome Denton. And we can't forget about our new campus, right? Louisville. Yes. Awesome. And all of our online viewers all over the world, welcome. We are so, so glad you're here. I don't know about you guys, but we're coming back from spring break. And so now that I've been through yet another spring break, I think that I've figured out it's not such a spring break for parents. So I've decided to expand the name of spring break for parents. So if you're a parent that just paid for a vacation, your name is spring break the bank. (laughs) If... If you're a parent who's had kids at your house all week with absolutely nothing productive to do, you get to be spring break the house apart. (laughs) And lastly, if you're a parent that had to work 80 hours last week to take off 40 this week, your spring break the overtime bank out, right? (laughs) Spring break, whatever, right? Isn't it interesting that in our busy society that even spring break can be stressful, that our breaks are stressful in this life because it seems like in our world that we live in today, there is always more to do than time to do it. You agree? And, and, you know, I talk to people and I say, how you doing? I'm busy. I am busy. I am busy, busy, busy. Are you busy? I'm busy. Of course I'm busy. I'm busy all the time. You know, I don't know how many ways we can say that one word. It's only got four four letters. But we say it. We're busy, busy, busy all the time. Everybody says they're busy. They wear it like a badge. You know, we're proud of being busy in a way. But then you ask some people as well, and you say, how's life going for you? And they say, you know, I'd love to have more clarity in my life. It seems like that life is coming at me so fast that I, I, I can't get direction, I can't get clarity in my life. I'm, I'm busy and I lack clarity. And I don't know about you, but it seems like it's getting worse. There's more information to digest. There's more demands on our lives. There's more activities. Can you agree with that? Oh my goodness. We just seem to be putting more and more activities in this. I could have a sermon on that topic right there. But, you know, even with technology right here, this, this thing right here, I can have so much information at my fingertips. But it, it seems like it's not getting any easier, doesn't it? It seems like that the harder we try, the more we do, the, the more busy we get, Right? It seems like life is just coming at us so, so very, very fast. So what is God's solution to the confusing, hurried life? And as usual with God, he gives us some things that are counterintuitive. God goes against our natural inclinations. Just a couple of examples. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says that where God says to Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says that whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What is God's solution to the confusing, hurried life? It is rest. 
Rest is, God uses rest to bring clarity and energy to our confusing, hurried life. Today we're going to talk about rest. Ecclesiastes in 3 verse 11 says this, that God has set eternity in the human heart. He has set eternity in our hearts. We know that we're made for more. We know there's more to this life. But yet the hurriedness and the busyness of life drag us down and we are tired and we are hurried and we are frankly confused. So Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, all of us that are busy, all of us that are confused, all of us that want more clarity out of life. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest is God's gift to us to bring clarity and energy to the hurried, uh, to the hurried busy life. So today we're going to look at how Jesus handled his busy life. Jesus had a very, very busy life. We're going to look in Mark, the first several chapters of Mark. Mark jumps right into the adult life of Jesus. In chapter one, he jumps right into the adult life, and we go through several days in Jesus's life. And what we see is, is that every day Jesus was busy. Every day, Jesus had people crowding around him. If you, go, if you, if you search on large crowd, in Mark 1 through 7, you're going to see it pop up several times because Jesus had large crowds with him every time. In Mark chapter 1, we see a, a busy day in Jesus' life. He goes to the synagogue, and there he does three things. He teaches people, he heals them, and he casts out demons. Pretty busy day. He's pouring out energy all day long. And you would think it says at night he goes to someone's house. And you would hope he gets to have some dinner, maybe relax. No, the people start pouring in. And he is, and he's, he's healing people, and he's casting out demons. And so when we get to Mark 1, verse 35, we see the next morning after this hard day of Jesus. And it says in Mark 1, 35, if I can find it, it says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, just in case you were wondering if it, how early it was, it's very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Which brings us to our first point. Rest is important to Jesus. Jesus had just been up all night healing people, ministering people. If anybody deserved to sleep in, who did? Jesus, he deserved it. But you know what? Jesus made a conscious decision to get up and do something he for him, it was a better form of rest to him than sleep was, to spend time with his father. Jesus rested in many ways, but one of his favorite was to spend time with his father. And so he knew the day ahead was going to be challenging, so he got up very early in order to spend time with his father. And we see why he did, because in verses 36 and 37, it says, Simon and his companions, that's Peter, went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. So the same people that wanted to, were looking for him yesterday are now looking for him today. And so, but because Jesus rested, because he spent time with his father, he's not alarmed by it. There's nothing wrong with it because in verse 38, we see his response. In verse 38, he says, 
Okay, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. As Jesus rested, the Father brought him clarity and energy to step into his next step. He didn't have to worry about having energy. The Father had given it to him. He doesn't have to worry about being stressed because he's ready to go on to the next step because of his rest. Now, there's another part of the story you may have noticed. You know, while Jesus is up early and realized that Simon and his companions went to look for him, it said. So while he's up early, they're still pulling him back into the day, right? Which brings us to our second point, which says this. We have to fight for rest. Rest is important, but we have to fight for it. Another story in Mark chapter 6. In this story, the, he and his disciples are hard at work. Now he's in, we go sit with, there's been many days go by between Mark 1 and Mark 6. Jesus has now not only called his disciples, he's teaching them and he's put them out. And beginning in verse 6, it says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. So Jesus is teaching, but calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So now they're casting out demons. So we move over to verse 30 and we see the results of the day. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, i.e. busy, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Proves our first point. Jesus, and when they came back, Jesus could have said, hey, you did great. Let, we're on a roll. Let's go do some more. But he didn't. He said, no, we're going to stop and rest. So you think everything's good, right? They've had a hard day. They're going to go rest. But then something happens in verse 33. Just like our lives, they get thrown a curve, okay? Look at verse 33. It says, so they're going to rest. It says, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. That happens all the time in Mark 1 through 7. They are running on foot. They're carrying people in mats. They're running after them. It says they ran on foot um, all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd... He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Story goes on that Jesus teaches them and then he feeds the 5,000 and then they pick up the baskets. But the key here is, is they were going to do what? They were going to rest. And all of a sudden they get a curve and you're like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? Are you a, does, is rest not important to you? But it is. Because then if we move on to verse 45... And, and for us, you know, we have the same curveballs that happen to us, don't we? I mean, we, set up, we go into our day and we plan on spending time with God that morning. And then what happens? The boss calls and says, hey, you need to be at the office early. Or a kid gets sick or whatever. Something changes. We, we think about that night that we're going to plan. We got, let's set it aside. Let's rest tonight. Oh, gosh, what about ball practice? Oh, forgot about that. Okay, man, and the washer broke, so we got to go fix that. I mean, just like Jesus, we get thrown curves all the time. Jesus got thrown a curve there. And he heard from the Father, said, hey, I need to minister to these people. But he didn't forget his rest. In verse 45, it says that immediately, and this immediately is right after they pick up the baskets. So Jesus has taught, fed the 5,000, they pick up the baskets. Immediately, 
Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So Jesus had to fight and be creative to find rest for his disciples. The people are all over him. And you notice that Jesus, first he took care of the disciples. He sent them out on a boat. Then he went somewhere else because if he got on the boat, he wouldn't be able to rest. Those are the people that he's ministering to. So he had to go somewhere else, right? And so we, we figure out that Jesus had to fight for rest. We always have to fight for rest because his life was just like ours. He's always having things. He's always busy, always having things interrupt him. But rest is important to him. And we see why, because rest, point three, it energizes us for the road ahead. If you go on to verse 53, we see why Jesus was so concerned. And what happened then is Jesus was over here. The boat's going this way. He walks on the water and goes to them. And the boat goes across the lake. So now they're going on the other side of the lake together. And it says this in verse 53. It says, when they crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Here it is again. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let him even touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. I'm painting a picture for you. Jesus' life was busy, but he had to fight for rest and he had to keep going. He had to keep trying to get there. And so, so often like Jesus we hit that season of busyness. You know, our life's busy all the time, but sometimes it gets really busy, doesn't it? And, and what's the first thing that goes when we have that busy, busy season? Our rest. We don't have time to rest. We're busy, right? We got too much to do. And so now we don't spend time with God anymore. We don't do things that are energizing. You know, I tell my people that work for me all the time, I tell them, when we go into a busy season, I say, okay, we're gonna, it's going to be a busy season the next three months. I need you to fight for your rest. Because it's not just for them, although I like them, I want them to be productive. And I know that if they don't get their rest, they're going to burn out. In fact, it's also that when we are in those busy seasons of life and we don't rest, that's when really bad things happen to us. That's when we have a breakdown. That's when we lash out at someone and we really damage that relationship and it becomes, you know, very difficult to repair. That's, I've seen a lot of people when they're in that really, really busy season of life and they don't get energized, they make poor decisions. Sometimes that are long-term, they, they leave a marriage or they, they, uh, they quit a job they shouldn't have quit or, or they drop out of something they could have because the busyness of life just overwhelms. Jesus knew that it was, that we had to fight for rest. Jesus knew that, and it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it, that we fight for rest? It's just kind of a misnomer, but it's true. You know, and because we got to believe in rest and we have to fight for rest. So if that's true, then what does godly rest look like? What does it look like to have rest that brings clarity and energy to our lives? I mean, does it mean we just have to read our Bible all the time? Is, is hunting rest? Is, don't laugh. Is shopping rest? 
Yeah, there we <laughs> It depends on who pays for it, right? So what is godly? Okay, so, so the rest of this message, I want to give you some practice. So I wanted to establish Jesus' busy life and how he fought for rest. And I want to establish that our lives are just like his, and his is even worse, but he still got rest, and we need to fight for it. But what does rest really look like? Let me give you some practical guidelines, okay? Number one, we got to set aside time for rest. We have to set aside time for rest. All throughout Scripture, God shows us if, if we will give him small portions of things, he will do more with our less than we can do with our more, okay? So, for example, if we give him our money, and whether that's a tithe at 10% or 15 or 20 or whatever we choose to do, then he will do more with, our, with the 80 to 90% that's left than we can do with our 100, okay? He says if we'll give him a day, the Sabbath, he'll do more in six days than we can do in seven, okay? See Chick-fil-A, right? And uh, right now, before, well, let's don't get caught up in the rules of the Sabbath because it does say in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God's not looking for you to necessarily, he might say, give me a Sabbath day, but really he wants a spirit of rest. He wants a Sabbath spirit about us, right? And so he'll tell us how to do that. But isn't it interesting that one divided by seven is about 16%, right? just about like the tithe. It's a small portion of our time. And God says, if we'll devote a small portion of our time to him and to rest, then he will multiply what happens. And he'll give us clarity and energy for the rest of our time and make it much more productive. You see, God desires for us to take care of ourselves. He really does. He loves you. He wants you to take care of himself. Ephesians 5, 29 through 30 says, after all, no one ever hated his own body but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. God wants us to take care of ourselves just like Christ takes care of the church. And we do that, one way we do it anyway, is to set aside time for rest. Now, I can usually get people to buy off on that point, that we need to set aside time for rest. The second one, if you're gonna throw something at me, this is the one, okay? So we've got to allow God to choose our rest. And the reason that sometimes rubs people the wrong way is because many times our restful behavior is destructive. And, or at least, and sometimes it's just marginal. But so many times we do things in our rest that are actually damaging to us. And we need to ask God how we rest because not all rest is equal and rest is different for different people. Many of you know this verse, John 10, 10, it's coming up, and it says that, that um, the enemy, the thief, comes to do what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says that I have come that they may have life, right? Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy steals your rest by making you think that you're too busy to rest, okay? The enemy steals your rest by making you think you're too busy to rest. I don't have time to rest. And he destroys your rest by getting you to do things that are destructive rather than energizing and bring confusion into your life versus clarity. So, because rest is all different for different people. And so one of the questions we need to ask God is, what 
energizes me and what allows, what rest energizes me and what allows God to speak to me. If your rest answers those two questions, chances are it's a good form of rest. And we need to put more of those things into our rest and less of those things that are destructive or at least marginal in nature. Are we willing to really put God, to give our rest to God? I mean, for some people, it's fishing. It's very relaxing. For some people, it's gardening. For some people, it's a walk in the woods. For some people, it's being with other people. Ask God how that we rest. Now, now there's some things that sometimes we do things that are too much. I mean, it might be restful to watch that TV show, right? We're watching 10 of them in a row and you're going to be in a coma, right? <laughs> I mean, it might be, you know, we love social media and we love to see people's fake lives, right? But <laughs> I couldn't resist that. Um, but, but if you're spending hours a day on it, Chances are, if you lift that up to God, he's going to say, we need to tweak that a little bit, right? And, and we all know people, it's not us and it's not you, I know, but we all know people that have games or hobbies or activities that they're a little bit obsessive about, right? And again, I know it's not you and I know it's not me, but we need to tell that person to take that before the Lord and maybe that God will, will, will do something about that. <laughs> yeah. I got about four of those I need to take to the Lord. But, uh, there's, uh, and, but there, and there's also some things we should put in our rest. We need to put time with God in our rest, okay? We need to, we need to pursue that all-important relationship. Speaking of relationships, godly relationships. If you don't have anybody in your life that's bringing you energy and bringing clarity to your life, you need to pray that God would bring you relationships because we all need godly relationships. I like to put worship into my rest. At Valley Creek, one of the things we say is we would love for everybody in our church that their private worship would be better than their public worship. That we would worship God in private so well that, that it's better than our public worship. I had, a, I had a friend of mine who said his major breakthrough last year was he took his commute time and instead of listening to talk radio and all the things that he might listen to, he, did, he put three things in there, either worship, scripture, or silence. And he did that every day, and he said it was amazing what happened. He went into work energized. He had more clarity to, to have direction as a leader at his workplace because he gave his commute time to God as rest. Are you willing to take your rest and put it before the Lord? Yes. You, you, you might think it's going to be uncomfortable because he might take some things away, but I promise you that whatever he takes, he's going to replace it with something better. Promise you that's going to happen, okay? Quick story. I was, uh, many years ago, I was a runner, and I ran a lot, ran, trained for marathons, and it was one of those kind of obsessive things, you know. I was probably on the borderline. Some of it was good, but some of it was a little bit obsessive. And, and over time, this hip started degenerating a lot, and I wound up not being able to run anymore. And I was really mad about it because it was a big part of my life, and it was just something I did. And, and you know, and so 
but finally, the pain just got to be too great, and there, the, I was young, too young for surgeries, and so, and probably scared of them and as, as well, but so I just finally said, you know, I got to quit running, and it was really hard for me to do that, and I was kind of mad at God about it, because I wanted him to just heal my hip and be done with it, and so I had to go to the Lord and say, all right, God, what do we do next? What do we do next for exercise? What's next? And he said, I want you to start walking your neighborhood. Really? I mean, because if you're a runner, it's, I mean, it's a pride thing, but it's just hard to be a walker, right? I mean, you kind of you picture the, you know, the hand stuff, you know, the little weights, and you're, you know, out there walking, and, you know, and just, ah, it's just hard. That's prideful, I know, but it was just, it was hard. I'm just being real. And so... God said, go walk. And so I'm like, okay, I never will forget the first day I go out there and I walk. And I just, so, I mean, I'm like, oh, of course, all the neighbors are out, you know. Hey, Don, how's it going? Yeah, I'm, here's Don the walker, you know. Used to be Don the runner. Now we're Don the walker. Don't worry about me. I'm just going to walk. But the funny thing about it was when I slowed down and I started to walk, God started to speak to me. And he started to just download things. And it was crazy how I heard God like I'd never heard him before. And as I'm walking, he says, I want you to, so my wife, Suzanne, and I, we've, we've got a large family. We've done a lot of family and children's ministry. And, and uh, God said, I want you to write down everything I've taught you about family, parenting, and marriage. I had a Palm Pilot phone at the time. It was the forerunner to all these smartphones, but I would, and I would walk, and I would just write on that phone as I walked. Hopefully, I'm, I don't know why I didn't get run over, but, but I would just walk, and I would write, and then I'd take it back to Suzanne, and I'd say, hey, this is what God showed me this morning, and she would tweak it, and I would load it to the computer, and then we would, and out of that revelation, God showed us some things that we have taught to hundreds of families at Valley Creek and in this area all because I chose to give my rest to God. And he did something radical, and it was all him. We got to give our rest to God. The last point is this. We invite God into our rest. We invite, we we set aside time for rest. We allow God to choose our rest, and we invite God into our rest. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. I love that. Jesus is saying, they say, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So one thing this verse proves, food is a part of rest. You agree with that? Hallelujah, right? When we eat with, Jesus wants to eat with us. We can eat with anybody, right? We can be restful and eat with anybody. So we set aside time And then we invite God in. You know, uh, a wise person once said, the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. They come in rest. Whether you're spending time with God alone or you're out hunting or you're fishing or you're gardening or you're spending time with people, we invite God into our rest. Let me give you an example. Going to play golf, okay? God, I'm about to spend four or five hours doing something restful. I want to invite you in to my golf game. First of all, Lord, I'd like to play to the best of my ability, okay? (laughs) Hey, you don't think God wants you to play good golf? Absolutely he does. I mean, God treats us like a son. 
And he says, hey, would you want your son to play? Well, I'm not talking par. I'm not talking be a scratch. We're not talking about healing. You know, we're not talking about miracles. But just play the best. God, help me to play the best of my ability. And God, I got some friends there. How do I speak into their lives? Help me to listen to them. Help me, to, help me to, to be engaged with them and not be so consumed with all the things I've got going on. Let me be a part of their lives. And, and speaking of speaking to people, Lord, I, you know, I broke that three iron over my leg last week. And so I know I've got some anger issues. And, and not only in golf, but God, it's, it's all over my life. So maybe today you can speak to me about, about anger. You know, maybe you could say, anything else you want to speak to me, God, in the stillness of the four to five hours that I'm there, would you help speak to me? Would you, would you do something? Would you give me a word? And, and, and finally, God, just thank you. Thank you that I can go play golf. Thank you that I'm healthy enough to do it. Thank you that I have the resources and the time to go play golf. You just invited God in to your golf game. And he's going to speak to you, and he's going to do things, right? You know, when we set aside time to rest, when we allow God to be involved and to choose our rest, and then we invite him in, he's able to bring energy and clarity into our lives. And it gives us energy for the road ahead. And then we become like Jesus. Remember in Mark 1.38, after he rested, he said, hey, let's go preach to the villages. That is why I have come. Jesus had clarity and energy in his life because of his rest. I don't have time to rest. My friend, you don't have time not to rest. Are you willing to take just a little bit of your time and give it to God and give it to rest so that he can do amazing things with all of your time. Rest is God's gift to us to bring energy and clarity to our confusing, hurried lives. What is God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you about rest today? Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you that you're a God that wants us to rest, that you love us so much that you want us to be healthy and you want us to be energized and you want us to have clarity. You know, I feel like tonight there's two things that we need to speak to. One of them is this, that we will put our busyness on the altar. That we will put our busyness up to God and say, Lord, I don't have to be a busy person. I want your clarity so that I won't be a busy person. The second thing is this, I feel like that there's some destructive, restful, quote unquote, behaviors that we need to give to God. What are those things that God's speaking to you that says that these are destructive behaviors rather than energizing behaviors? 
things that God says, I can't speak to you through that. It may be fun, it may be entertaining, but it's not restful. What are those things that God wants you to give today? Lord, I pray for wise and humble spirits that we would be willing to give to you what you would ask for so that you can give us so much more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.